Good evening. I'm really excited to be here tonight. And uh, do y'all normally leave the lights off during this time? Or no. okay, that's great. Cause my <laughs> I was like, oh man, I'm gonna need, <laughs> I'm gonna need a flashlight or something. Uh, but for those of you that don't know me, my name is Tara, and I've been in San Angelo for ten years. I was born and raised in Indiana. I went to a private university in Illinois, where I studied how to be a missionary. Basically, I wanted to go tell the whole world about Jesus, and it uh, turns out you don't need a degree for that. Uh, whatever God calls you to, he's just going to equip you to do that thing. Um, and then it was time to do my internship, um, but I- I'm going to give you the quick version of my testimony. Um, it was when I was attending a private college, I got caught up in the wrong crowd, and uh, I started drinking, partying, smoking, and ended up uh, smoking marijuana and would spend almost 10 years of my life stoned out of my mind. Um, and so... Now, today, when I tell people, like, I couldn't remember, it's Crystal, right? I could, okay, yeah. See, I couldn't remember her name because there's a good portion of my brain that's just, like, cooked. And, and so, yes, God has forgiven me. Yes, I'm not defined or devalued by my past or by my stupid choices. But even though Jesus forgives, there's still consequences for the choices we make. There's still consequences, and I still pay those consequences every day. And so... Uh, I went to college, I was studying to be a missionary, I kind of derailed my own train, started partying, was in the clubs in East St. Louis every weekend, and just living a reckless life, man, like getting all this head knowledge about who Jesus was, but like zero heart knowledge. Fast forward, I had a professor, and I'd like go to class stoned out of my mind, right? Like this is a Christian university, y'all, I had to sign a covenant that said I want to touch tobacco, right? And I'm like touching all kinds of things, right? And I've already been in trouble one time for drinking. Like, almost got kicked off the basketball team, right? So if anyone finds out about what I'm doing on the weekends, like, I'm toast, right? And so um, I I thought I could just go to class high, and I would wear my sunglasses to class, which apparently made me stand out like a red thumb. And uh, my professor pulled me aside one day after class, and she said, Hey, what are your dreams? And I said, What? What are my dreams? And I instantly went back to when I was a kid, when I got saved, when I was eight years old, man. And I was like, wow, dang, like what are my dreams? And I went back to when I was 11 and I made a decision at camp that, God, I'm going to serve you the rest of my life. I'll be a missionary. I'll go wherever you want me to go. And when I was a kid, missionaries wore ugly skirts and ate really weird food, right? I'm glad things have progressed a little bit within the last 20 years. But I was cool with that, like because I love Jesus and I will do anything because I love Jesus. So when that professor that day asked me, something shifted in my heart. And I thought back to 20 years ago when I was a kid. So fast forward, I'm still being reckless. I'm still sinning. I'm still doing my own thing on the weekends. And she pulls me aside one day after class. And I'm like, man, this professor is killing me. I called her Dr. E. And she's like, hey, do you need a place to live? And I'm all hard and bad, right? Like bit bad, tough, terror. I don't need nothing. I said, no, I'm straight. She goes, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm solid, man. And I lived in a a little apartment like 45 minutes away from school. Well, fast forward two months, I'm living in my car because the stuff hit the fan with the roommate, you know, and and her alcoholic boyfriend. And um, I kind of hit rock bottom because I'd rented a cabin for my birthday and invited all my my homies. I was kind of responsible with my sin. You know, I wasn't completely reckless. I wouldn't do those things and drive. But, you know, I'd rent a cabin and... (laughs) You know, I'll never forget that year because no one showed up for my birthday. Big old cabin. And there sits Tara with all of her alcohol and marijuana. And not a single soul. 
I thought, huh, maybe this life isn't what it's cracked up to be. Maybe the sin that I thought was so satisfying really isn't helping. I ended up moving into my car and stayed there for a few days because I couldn't live with my roommate anymore. And I had nowhere to go. So I called my professor because also my bank account was negative $1,200. How? I don't know, but it was. Like, what do you do when you're negative $1,200? girl ain't got nothing, right? Ain't got no credit card, ain't got no family backup, and I'm sure the Lord is not going to drop 100 bucks on my lap, right? And so I got to humble myself and call my professor. And at this point, I had just started selling. So here was the plan. I'm going to make a bank selling marijuana, right? Mind you, still attending a Christian college, okay? Sorry, Christian college people, you're hearing the story now. And so the plan was I was going to move in with my professor, stay there for 30 days, make bank, fix my bank account, and then I was going to move out and do my thing, right? Well, so I'm like, okay, I'm about to move into this professor. I don't know who she is, right? I don't know if she knows my story. And uh, so I move in with her, and um, I'm scared of dogs. Like, when I pulled up tonight and I saw those big dogs, I panicked because... I just don't do big dogs. I was knocked over when I was a kid, and so I got a big dog to help overcome my fear. And I'm still scared of my own dog sometimes. Like, I don't play with them rough because I, I just get scared. And so I, I walk in. Well, before I got to my professor's house, she lives, like, out in the country, right? Well, I'm stoned out of my mind. I have no idea where I'm going, and I'm going, like, 20 on a country road. I get pulled over. Whoever heard of such a thing of getting pulled over for going so slow? And the cop shot in his light. He's like, hey, how you doing? And I just want to be like, uh, actually, you're killing my buzz right now. If you could get the light out of my face, I'm like, I'm solid, man. I'm lost. Like, and I'm freaking out because I got weed in the car, right? And so anyway, my heart is racing. And wouldn't you know it, my professor calls. I said, oh, sir, this is my professor. Do you want to talk to her? He's like, no, wait. Speed it up a little. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, cool. So, like, my heart's racing. My pits are sweating. I pull into my professor's house, right? And I walk in, and I hear the loudest barking dogs. Like, and so I go, oh, bleep. <laughs> and then here comes my professor's kids around the corner, like, looking at me like, uh, <laughs> you must be terrible from the Crystal College. Is that, you know, I'm like, oh, my bad, right? So, my... <laughs> It, it really was that ridiculous. And my professor just laughed because the thing is this. We just sang that song about God in reckless love and how there's no mountain he won't climb up, no shadow he won't light up coming after us. And he uses the strangest of circumstances to reach us right where we are. Because that professor, Dr. E, she welcomed me into her home. There were some rules. I had to be honest about things. I quit drinking first, then I quit, um, I think I quit smoking weed next, then I quit cigarettes last. And I had to be honest when I failed. And, and I had to give her my weed when people at work would, would give me stuff. And um, they, they embraced me. And I remember there was like nobody had any weed, man. And I was freaking out because it had been like three days. And I opened my big mouth one night, right? She's like folding laundry. And I was like, uh, hey, Dr. E, like, I haven't gotten high in like three days and I'm freaking out. And she just smiled so big. I thought, this character is smiling? What the heck, you know? And she goes, well, what do you need to? And I said, I just need to stay busy. So the next morning I woke up and there was a little post-it note. And I said, Tara, I have a sunroom you can clean if it'll help. Smiley face, Karen. So after school that day, I went home. And I cleaned that sunroom. 
And then I weeded her garden. And then I started doing all these projects around the house to help me. And I dropped all my friends. I lost all my friends. And so I would live with my professor and her family for nine months. And I remember sitting there thinking, her, her children, we, sat, we, we would sit down and they'd be like, Tara, it's time for dinner. Come join us. Like, and I'm not in my right mind. And man, they just loved me. They just loved me. Like, I haven't had homemade food like that, I think, my entire life. And they didn't judge me. I'd gone to a Christian college for almost 10 years, and I was the conversation behind closed doors. I was the one being talked about and judged. Not one person pulled me aside and said, Terry, what's really going on with you? Like, how can I help you? You're hurting. What do you need? But it was like, Tara, at a Christian college. Sometimes the most painful experiences you'll have will be within the body of Christ. Because the reality is we're all jacked up, <laughs> Christian or not, you know? I mean, just because Jesus put a stamp on it and saved your tail doesn't mean that you ain't got an element of crazy in you, okay? And so, um, but her children sat there and talked one night, and I didn't know this, but all of her children were adopted because their moms were drug addicts. It's funny how the Lord works. I stayed with my professor nine months. I was supposed to do an internship. I was supposed to go to Africa. I fell through it last minute. I was freaking out. I quit my job. I had a really good job. I was making like 15 bucks an hour. And my internship was all I had left to do to graduate. Like I was on the nine year plan for a four year degree. Don't do it like I did it, just saying. And uh, people like, oh, you work on your master's? No, my bachelor's back up, okay? And uh, <laughs> I, mean, I should have a doctorate, but whatever. And so. Um, I uh, went to my professor, my, my advisor, and she's like, well, what about Texas? And I was like, man, I'm not going to Texas. It is full of rednecks and cowboys and Indians. I'm not <laughs> going there. And that's really what I thought. I thought everyone in Texas owned a horse and rode horses all around, like it, like it was 1800s or something. I was like, I'm not going there. And she said, well, Tara, just pray about it. And even though I didn't do those bad things anymore, I really didn't have a relationship with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just didn't do those bad things, and I worked all the time. I worked two jobs. I'd work 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night every day. And uh, so I didn't really pray about it. Like, what? And so, but she, she knew my story. And my, my advisor at school, it was her sister-in-law that started House of Faith, which if you don't know House of Faith, it's a nonprofit organization here in town that started 24 years ago. And basically, we work with little well, I'm not going to say punk kids because I've got some former House of Faith kids in here. But the majority of the students that we work with are cussing you out before they hit the fifth grade because they're hurting and they're hopeless. You know what I'm saying? And they come from jacked up situations. And I come up from a jacked up situation. I don't even have time to get into that tonight. And, and so she had been down here and she knew my story. And she knew House of Faith. And so I come down here. I come down here in February of 2008. Takes me about 24 hours to drive, and no joke, there was like tons of snow on the ground when I left that day. And the, the further south I get, the warmer it gets. Like I'm cranking on the air. And then I get to Texas, and there's signs that say like "Watch for ice on the bridges." I'm like, "Are you kidding me? Is this like a joking community? There's no way there's ice down here." But anyway, literally at this point, I'm nine months clean and sober. Okay, nine months clean and sober. And the whole way on my drive, I'm like, oh, God, you have no idea what you're doing. You are wrong. With all due respect, sir, you have no clue what you're doing. And uh, I made it to Dallas, and um, I got lost. And so I pulled up to a 7-Eleven. 
which is one of the most multicultural experiences you can have. If you need a little flavor, just go to a 7-Eleven, get you a Slurpee, and just chill in a parking lot. Because I'm sitting there, I'm freaking out. I'm on the wrong side of the train tracks. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm fiending for like a cigarette or a joint. You know what I'm saying? And something catches the corner of my eye, and I look. And a guy in a, a motorized wheelchair pulls up in a parking spot beside me. And I'm like, where am I at? What is happening? Oh, my gosh, I want to go home. And so I get to the hotel. I'm exhausted. I go and eat dinner, and I'm freaking out so bad. I literally sit at Cracker Barrel. I order a kid's meal. And I just blow my eyes out, man. I just sit there, and I'm like, Aah! And the waitress is like, are you okay? Yeah! <laughs> I'm just so undone, right? And, and this is like the start of my trip to Texas. And so I go to the hotel, right? This emotional rack. I'm tired. I'm lost. I'm like in the hood up there. And I check in, and they're like, oh, it's ladies' night at the bar. Here's two free passes for free drinks at the bar. And I'm like rebuking the devil. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. I'm like, I'm not trying to go back, you know? And so that began my journey. And, um, the plan was to be in San Angelo for three months and um, for an internship. Then I would go back in May and graduate and move to South Korea and teach English as a second language. I already had a job lined up. But it was on my internship that God had other plans. And I remember the time a student came up to me. Nobody knew my story like my supervisor did, but nobody else, right? And this kid comes up to me and he's like, man, he's like, Tara, I'm trying to quit smoking weed and I just don't know what to do. And it was like a first aha light bulb moment. Like the first time I felt like God could take my crap and use it for his good. Because yes, quit with Jesus, but there's some practical things. Like quit wearing the weed shirts, you know, like rip down the weed posters, quit going with, you know, like there's some practical things, right? Nobody's ever come up to me and said, Tara, would you be my personal trainer at the gym or help me lose 20 pounds, right? But if someone wants a Twinkie, they're going to be like, hey, Tara, what's good up? You got a snack? And I'm going to be like, yeah, second drawer, man. Help yourself, you know? And so it was like this first light bulb moment. And I was so annoyed and I was so stressed out here because y'all do not have personal space. We have personal space where I'm from, okay? We have bubbles, and you don't enter the bubble unless you're invited in, okay? You guys abrasively hug anyone like <laughs> what the heck like can, can I breathe like in that house of faith all they did was eat and pray and I'm like good lord I'm gonna blow up like a balloon right and homemade tortillas at Rosa's holy cow we don't have that up there y'all I killed like a dozen tortillas a week on my internship it was bad <laughs> but it was halfway through I'm using all my lesson time for this story it was um, halfway through my internship that guy became real to me again and he said, Tara, I want you to stay here. And so that's my story. That's where I come from. That's where I've been. And I have been here 10 years. And my absolute, it's been a journey of just walking with Jesus. And um, I, God has been so kind to me. So kind. Really, I'm the last person who should ever be up here sharing about the goodness of Jesus. Because it's easy for y'all to sit there and to look at someone like me and say, oh man, Terry, you must have it together and you must live this perfect life and I don't. Because the reality is, I'm just like you. And, and you know what? I'm heartbroken for what y'all are walking through. It sucks. And it's okay to say that. 
And just because you trust Jesus and just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that everything is going to be peachy keen. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, don't be surprised when you have bad days. It's going to get hard. But who you are and how you respond in the midst of when things are difficult and when things suck and when you have more questions than you have answers is what sets you apart or it doesn't. Can I be real frank with you? Might as well jump all in. You might not ever see me again. I don't know. But I wanted nothing more than to go get drunk last night. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, hope deferred makes the heart sick. I've had a sick heart for about four years. And a lot of you here tonight have a sick heart. Hope deferred, that means hope hope that's not embraced, hope that you can't hang on to. And and the Hebrew word for hope is actual kavah. And it means to twist up. And see, where I've gotten it wrong is I have placed my hope in my circumstances changing. But they haven't. And that's why I want to do stupid things still. It's been almost 11 years of being clean and sober. But let me tell you, it's a fight. Yes, I work at House of Faith for 10 years. But it is a fight because I have misplaced my hope. I I so badly, when I was a kid, I was like, man, Jesus, you can do anything. You're like so big and so strong. And then life happens and we lose our friends like Josh. And here's where where the conversation turns because we say, man, God, if you're good, then why did this happen? Why him? Why now? Why cancer? If you can heal anything, God, why does cancer exist? Why do I waste all my time praying for my family when nothing ever changes? Why not just throw it all away? Why not just give up? I've been there for four years. Because four years ago is when my brother died. He was 39, just like Josh. Left behind a wife and kids who are devastated. Devastated. 